What's happening? Good morning. My name is Andy Kelly. Today is September the 3rd. We are Waters Edge Church, existing to love God and others in Christ. If you don't know, I record our messages beforehand. Uh, we try to record it during the gathering. Um, we're still figuring out the technology for that, but I like to record it beforehand, and part of that is you may hear the band rehearsing. So you get music in the background. Hopefully that complements the message. Um, either way, let's move. Let's go. Let's see what the Lord has for us today. We are in the book of Matthew for the last year since Advent of 2021. And we are in chapter 17 in a mini-series of the fourth book within Matthew called Elephants in the Room. Did the Messiah really say that? And uh, we love to highlight what Jesus says, but there are some things that Jesus says that is somewhat confounding and confusing. And we don't want to just ignore those passages. We want to understand them, the journey into the original context and see what's going on, to hear from the Lord. And that couldn't be any more pertinent, couldn't be any more thematic than what we have for today. Because the elephant in the room is not really what Jesus says, it's what the Father says about Jesus. Listen to him. Listen to him. We're looking at the transfiguration on top of Mount Tabor with Jesus' three closest friends, James, John, and Peter. But before we do that, I just want to start out with a series of questions. A series of questions. What has God said to you in this last week? What has God said to you in this last week? Next question. Is that question I just asked an odd question? Does it feel sort of odd? Here's another one. You ever wonder, how does one hear God's voice on the regular? Do you know someone who talks about hearing from God? And then you ask yourself a question, why can't I hear God's voice like so-and-so? Someone talks about hearing from God and like, damn, how come I am not hearing from God in the same way that that person is? Here's a, a final question as we reflect, and I know these questions are, are more meant to hit you than to create space for you to fully reflect. They set up this message, so to speak. But this question is important. When was the last time you were with others and prayed for an opportunity to hear from God together? Have you ever experienced this where you're just with others, you stop and say, hey, let's pray and just see if God has a word for us or has a word for you? Hearing from God. Listen to God. This is a conversation some love, some resist, and many feel shame about. It's one that we as a church, Water's Edge, talk about commonly because our second value is being attentive to the Spirit. And just a month ago, Larry gave us a great uh, conversation about being present to the presence, about slowing down, being open. Uh, last year, we did a series called Questions Kids Ask. One of the conversations that Lindsay Wildey hosted was... Uh, how does one, or what does God's voice sound like, rather? Today, I just want to hone in on listening, listening to God. And like any conversation, like any sermon before ours, it, before this one, it, it will not be comprehensive. It's a continuing conversation. But my hope is that there would be space to reflect and, more importantly, practice. With that, I, I want to start by practicing Lectio Divina. Lectio Divinas. In the West, Lectio Divina, which is Latin for 
divine reading, it's a meditative way of reading the Bible in which we let go of our agendas and are open to what God is saying to us. We let the Holy Spirit read us just as much as we read the scriptures that the Spirit authors, inspires, and illuminates. As author Marjorie Thompson states on this meditative way of reading, on Lecto Divina, it requires unhurried time and an open heart. It is concerned not with speed or volume, but with depth and receptivity. So we're going to, before we dive in, I, I just think like when we think about like the Vienna, it's helpful to know that there's not some excellent or perfect way to do it. If you just show up and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to read this scripture and see if you have anything for me. That is the quote unquote win. The beauty of being with God. So we're going to just take this moment to stop, be still for a bit, just to enter into silence. If you rearrange the word silent, you can actually form the word listen. That's what my mentor says to me all the time. So we're going to enter in with some silence. And if any distractions come into your head, I like to picture it a boat. Just let that boat pass by. Oh, I'm thinking about my work. I'm thinking about this conversation I need to have. I'm thinking about what I want for lunch. Just let that boat pass by. Jimmy Dean for lunch. That's my son. He's sitting here with me. I love him. And if that boat keeps on blowing the horn, then you can pray your distractions. Lord, I pray that that conversation with that person would go well. I pray that your kingdom will come in and through that person's life. Now I want to be available to listen. So we're going to create some silence right now. So Lord, we say, speak for your servant is listening. Your servants are listening. Now we're going to read our scripture for today. Okay. And since we are lectioning out loud, I'll read it once slowly. And I'm going to read it like a love letter versus reading a newspaper or a media or a blog post or social media, etc. So I'm going to read it once. Just receive it. We're in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and the clothes became as white as the light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. 
As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. I'm going to read it a second time. The key question as we read is what word or phrase stands out to you? And don't judge the word, just stay open. What word or phrase stands out to you as I read a second time? After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, befared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. While the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they came, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Again, the question is, is there a word or phrase that sticks out to you? And just to take hold of it and to slow down and receive what God could or was, could or is saying through that word. I think it's helpful to even just have the words on the screen one more time for you to read through and for me not to have it. So obviously if you're listening at home, it'd be good to open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 17 and read the first nine verses and just see, okay, what is that word or phrase? And, and what is, what's sticking out to me? So as you take hold of that word or phrase, how does it intersect with your life right now? How is it intersecting with your life right now? This is a time where we're moving from reading to reflecting. Are there any circumstances that these words uh, may be connected to? By the way, they don't have to be connected to anything. They can just be coming out of seemingly nowhere. But how is it, what may be these words that are sticking out to you, digging up or excavating in your life right now? I hesitate to give examples, and I'm not going to, because I don't want to incept a word or phrase that God may or may not be saying. I will say this, there is no unvalid reflection if it brings you to God. How does this word or phrase intersect with your life right now? If you're at home, you could pause, journal some, or even just hit the pause button and just think about this. As you reflect, what do you sense God is inviting you towards with this word or phrase? Another way to say it is, what is your truest response to God's invitation? The key here is honesty. What do you have? Resistance, whether that's fear, doubt, or even sadness. Or some resonance and or resonance. Hope, joy, peace, the fruit of God's spirit, obviously love. 
What do you sense God inviting you towards through this word or phrase that's standing out to you from the reading of the scriptures? We've read, we're reflecting, we're responding, considering responding. And then, of course, we want to rest. As we consider this word or phrase, no matter how difficult it may be, we want to rest in God's love for us, that God wants the best for us. He's, as many authors have said, he's, he's here to preserve our deepest joys. His words always point us to his love and to loving others. That's Lectio Divina. It's an opportunity, one of many opportunities to listen to God, to read, reflect. That's the listening. It's all listening. Respond and rest. Uh, for the another analogy you can use is uh, soap. Pastor Deb describes this process with her kids, or with our children, is soap. It's scripture, it's observation, it's application, and prayer. Read, reflect, respond, rest, scripture, observation, application, prayer. Four R's or soap. Now, as we transition from that time, I just want to note that whatever you receive from God, and maybe you didn't receive anything, and that's okay too. But if you did have a word for you, that may be all the message you need for today. I do want to share a word that I've received as we reflect uh, on this next ministry year together for our community. Uh, this is the beginning of September, and when we consider our ministry calendar, we somewhat imitate a school calendar. We go September through August, and we are into our second year, but this is our second ministry year. And I was astonished. I was astounded by the fact that uh, what this passage was, the passage we had for today, Matthew 17, because a theme that we are pursuing this year is one of listening, listening to God and listening to others. Listening, as one author states, is so close to, to, to loving that to the common person is nearly indistinguishable. And as we consider listening, our focus begins with God. This means taking a chance. I originally wrote this and I said taking a risk, but it's taking a chance to, to listen to God and even consider and even share what God may be saying to us. To be clear, the church may be filled with those people who don't think they can hear from God. It also is filled with other people who think they somehow have the superpower of hearing from God, whereas others do not. Both of those aren't true. If you follow God, the Holy Spirit is available to all of us in a myriad amount of ways, through scripture, prayer, community, creation, visions, dreams, pictures, a thought, image, a song, a phrase, a Japanese maple tree you walk by in the morning, so many ways that God can speak to us. The Holy Spirit is not limited to just a nudge or goosebumps or a hot flash or a rush of acceleration, though the Holy Spirit can use those. It's really in life, what's sticking out to us? And are we able to even see what may be sticking out to us? Everyday hearing, it's about everyday hearing. And the greatest obstacle to everyday hearing would be our everyday noise. Most of us deal with noise that pervades our world. 
And noise comes to us in so many seductive ways. Yes, there's the incessant noise, the news, the radio, the Netflix, all the music, and all the requests. This is the noise of our sin, the noise of shame, noise of what we need to do in our lives or what we think we should be rather than just embracing who we are. It can also be the noise of the good stuff, the noise of the Christian books or the podcasts or the sermons or having to read so much for your Bible study. I mean, these can be okay, of course, but if our lives have no silence, if your drive to every location requires some type of volume, if our mornings are transitioning from an alarm to text to music to getting ready to getting others ready, and our nights move from geeking out on YouTube to dozing off, our lives can be then become spiritually deaf. God speaks. God speaks. In our passage today, there's actually a noisy moment that precedes the Father speaking. Uh, we hear Peter talking, and we'll, uh, we'll get to that in a bit, but just to understand where we're at, we're in the Transfiguration, a very important passage. One of the three main passages where you hear the Father speak audibly during Jesus' ministry in the Gospels. Um, Peter declared boldly that Jesus, just the week before, is the Messiah. And then Jesus... Jesus predicts his death, to which Peter responds in rebuking Jesus. He rejects that claim. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Do not know the things of God, but only the things of men. And then calls his disciples to carry their cross. So it's been a week since this conversation's happened. And the disciples, Peter, James, and John, and the other nine have been living with this reality that their Lord will die and that their lives seemingly will follow suit. And then we have this occurrence a week later. Have you ever read a book and given you anxiety or watched a movie and you're like, man, I gotta watch the end of this movie because it's making me so anxious. I gotta know how it plays out. This may be a bit of what Jesus is doing here. He's like, oh, this is a sneak preview of the end of the story. I don't think that encapsulates fully why the tricks of transfiguration happens. I think it's for Jesus just as much as it is for his disciples, but it is for his disciples. They give, they're given a glimpse of Jesus' glory, who he truly is. And not only that, but Moses and Elijah are there. Moses, the great lawgiver, Elijah, the great reformer, representing both the law and the prophets that Jesus came to fulfill. Two people who in powerful ways met God on a mountain, Mount Sinai. Mount Horeb, which some believe are the same mountain, by the way. The fellows and Jesus is now at Mount Tabor, by the way. And Luke's gospel tells us they're speaking with Jesus about his departure, which is the Greek word for exodus, reminiscent of the deliverance from Egypt, but this is the greater deliverance. This is where Jesus is preparing for the salvation event. And this is also where Peter speaks up. A moment before the moment, sweet Peter filling the air with his short-sighted plans. Let's make tents and hang a bit. And I'm not going to try to explain why Peter says this. In fact, the other Gospels, Mark and Luke said that Peter really didn't know what he's talking about. So why try to understand what he doesn't know what he's talking about? What I want to make clear is that God speaking 
And Peter interjects himself, trying to relate his experience, trying to talk about what is needed versus what is truly needed. Like many of us, myself included, Peter makes his own noise, which can silence the words of God. Our noise may be the greatest obstacle to what God is saying to me and others in the room. So the question I'm asking is, how do we as a people listen? How do we, Water's Edge, listen as a people of God? What principles can we take from this passage that would help us? What principles? I'm sure there's many principles. There's volumes written on this. I was just given a book by, from my friend Laura Lambelot uh, from Dallas Willard's Hearing God. It's a great book. There's so much more that I'm just hearing as I read that, but I, I have to just be attentive to what God's saying to me in this conversation. And so as I ask the question, how do we listen as a people of God? The first thing I want to say, and this might seem contrary to everything I've said, is sometimes we got to get it all out. Sometimes before we can be available to hear from God, we got to get it all out of our system. Imagine Peter was in a flurry of thoughts this past week trying to understand Jesus' words about his impending cross and his words about his own cross. There's a lot of nervous energy that we carry that needs to actually be externalized. Whether it's with a friend or with a journal or with God in prayer, all these things can be prayer if it's directing us towards God. And, and Peter says a bunch. He says, look, God, it's good for us to be here. Let's make some shelters. And I think this is where a lot of sermons love to dig on Peter, to shame him. He seems to be the target of many ser sermons. What I think is Peter provides us an excellent portrait of the human condition. Sometimes the verbal process is just part of the process. The external process is part of the process, meaning we can't really hear from God. We have all this noise going on, and rather than ignore the noise or try to stuff noise, we actually need to get the noise out to externalize it so that we can actually be attentive to what God may say to us. This is about surrendering our attachments so that we can hear freely from God. So here's some questions I have for you. What is some of the mental noise you're dealing with? What are you thinking about? What's on your mind? What questions are you sitting with? Write those down. What is your body saying to you? Listen to your body. What can it be saying? Physically, how are you feeling right now? What are your feelings saying to you? Don't judge them. Don't analyze them. Just name them. What is your gratitude saying right now? What are you thankful for in life? Finally, well not finally, but lastly in this list, what are my desires saying? What am I desiring? Both my surface desires and deep down. Again, please don't edit, judge, analyze, or criticize. Just write them down or think them. And when we were to name these things, get it all out, we can then ask God to speak through these, to name them and give them to God in order to hear from God. And then pause and ask God after we've named these, Lord, I've named these. I surrender them to you. What do you desire? Is there anything you want to say to me? Anything you desire for me? And anything you desire from me, which is still what you desire for me? Point one, sometimes we just got to get it all out to be available to hear. So do you have spaces to get it all out? To talk about what's inside of you? Who is a safe space for you? 
And, and this is an opportunity for us as a group to externalize in order to stop and like hear from God. Get it all out. All right, what is God saying to us? That could be the greatest gift you can give somebody. A listening ear and then a follow-up question. Lord, what are you saying to me? And I think this comes also with a, I don't know if this is a warning or exhortation, but if you're in a group, the greatest gift you can offer is your listening ears. As the greatest gift to receive is an opportunity to process. And we just have to be aware, am I the type of person that is constantly processing and not creating space for others to process? I think as you back it up, and I've, I've done some work in groups over the years, is to think through, like, is my voice carrying the majority of the group time? Am I occupying more than my share? Or is there equity here? Is there space for God to speak? Just something to be aware of. How do we listen as a people of God? We gotta get, sometimes we just got to get it all out, just like Peter. And then we, we, and this is very important, could be the first point, but I like it here as a second point because it works sequentially in the passage, at least the way that I heard from the Lord from it, is we need to rediscover God as our friend. We need to rediscover God as our friend. Just because God is our Lord and Savior and our benefactor doesn't mean he's not our friend. He is also our friend. So what happens when Peter's talking while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice in the cloud said, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. There's an exclamation point there. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified. Now they are terrified. This is where they're at. They've likely been scared for a while, at least the last week. And now the father appears to them in a cloud as he did in the Old Testament to the Israelites in the desert. And in fear, what happens? They, they get on the ground. And I think this is where we need to pause and recognize that this can feel like a good cop, bad cop moment between Jesus and the Father. Like they are one, and this is not a schizophrenic moment. This isn't God showing, being angry and Jesus being kind. In many places we hear God, Jesus say many, many severe things. Woe to you, Pharisees, you brood of vipers. Him exhorting Peter even the week before. Back away from me, Satan. No, this is an opportunity for the, the truth of who God is, a God who brings a challenging word but always is followed up with love and friendship. The Father and Son are one, as Jesus says, John 10.30, 10.31. And just as it says, listen to him, this is their opportunity to listen. And Jesus came to them and touched up and said, get up. He said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Jesus is there, and God is still there. Jesus is there to ground them in who God is. Mercy, safety, friends, someone that we should listen to, because this God is for us. If God's for us, who can be against us? Yes, the Lord may have some difficult challenges for us in life, but at the heart of God is someone who loves you deeply. You know, Lindsay shared with us about God's voice last year and we did a series called Questions Kids Ask. And she noted, this is Lindsay Wildey, she noted everyone's experience of listening to God or hearing God is different. And maybe you just need to hear that. The way you hear from God is not the exact same way that I do. You're unique, so he will communicate with you uniquely. 
However, I think there are some general guidelines that can help us as we discern the voice of God. This was a slide at church, but I'll read it to you. God's voice, the Holy Spirit that speaks for Jesus, is going to tell you that you're loved. It's going to move you to conviction, towards repentance, turning towards God, but not condemnation. It's specific. His voice involves forgiveness, restoration, comfort. There is challenge, but it would draw you, knowing there's life there. Uh, sounds like Jesus. The voice of God sounds like Jesus because Jesus is God. Some other voices, whether they're Satan, your own toxic tapes, the world, and the tapes that they play are going to be guilt and shame. Again, that's condemnation. They're going to be critical of self. Uh, vague, not specific, but have vague messages. They'll lead us to alienation and isolation. Fear-based. They'll try to make you driven rather than drawn to it. And then they're rooted in striving and proving yourself when Jesus always says who we are. So yeah, prayer and listening prayer flows from a friendship with God. A voice that says you're deeply loved. Not this Jesus or God is my homeboy thing, but a friend who deeply loves you and wants God's best for you. If our view of God is tweaked, why would we want to listen and spend time with someone we don't trust? Someone we believe is skeptical about us. Someone who's disappointed us. When the truth is God loves you and is for you and seeks a friendship with you, God is your friend. Jesus says that in John 15, verse 5, I no longer call you servants to his disciples. And these words translate to us, I believe, as well. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I've learned from my Father I've made known to you. That's God's business. That's Jesus' business to make the Father known to us, which includes what the Lord wants to say to us today. Cool thing is this means when you hear someone ask you, hey, what is God saying to you? It could also mean, what is your dear friend saying to you? And have you heard a kid initiate with another kid when they want to become friends? It's wonderful. It's wonderful when you think about it. Hey, you want to be friends? You want to play? Or if you're older, hey, you want to hang out sometime? Well, this, this is the heart of a friend. This is the heart of God. I want to be with you. If you never created space to listen, you could be missing this heart of a dear friend. And a not-so-side note is when you listen to others' behalf, which is a sermon of another time, it's, it's listening as this type of friend who knows God as a faithful, loving friend and wants to make that God known on others' behalf. To listen without fear. Lastly, how do we listen as a people of God? We, of course, get it all out that we can listen clearly we rediscover God as friend and lastly in time and after listening we share what we believe we're hearing we share what we believe God is saying as they're coming down the mountain verse 9 Jesus instructs them don't tell anyone what you have seen until the son of man has been raised from the dead after we've gotten everything out we create space for God our dear friend to speak We, and then after we take a risk or we've been saying take a chance of what God is saying, 
Whether it's an idea, word, phrase, picture, scripture, declaration, calling, compliment, the list does go on. We say, hey, this is what I believe God is saying. I think what's most helpful as we consider this passage and the one that follows is times are going to be hard. Times will be hard. But if we take a chance, which is no risk at all, just take a chance to know, like, hey, God, this is what I believe God's saying to me and sharing with others, that word can carry us through darkness. But we can't have a word if we're not listening. We can't listen if we're not praying. And in the very instance following this passage, disciples... Peter, James, and John, alongside Jesus, come down the mountain, and they're encountered by this demon-zest boy whom is still being tragically afflicted. And disciples try to drive it out, but they cannot. And Jesus says, oh, faithless generation, the reason why you cannot drive out this demon is that you don't pray enough. It's it's without prayer. That's what we hear from Mark and I believe Luke's gospel. And, and the goal is that we should be praying. And when we pray, we will have a faith that moves mountains. That's what Jesus says. It's almost an elephant in the room statement in and of itself. And what does that mean to move mountains? Well, it means, I believe, two things. We will participate in kingdom breakthrough. We'll see God's kingdom come in, in and through our prayers and our requests. It also means this, when life is breaking apart, when it feels like mountains are crushing us and things are falling apart, we'll know that God is still with us in our prayers. Yeah, that covers both sides of my mouth, so to speak, but it's worth noting that when times are hard, God is with us. And when we pray and we listen, we'll be able to persevere. Let's take a moment right now to pray in silence together and consider what God might be saying to you in the midst of this message or even apart from the message. Maybe you can pause it right now. Just say, hey, Lord, what are you saying to me? Amen. The next steps for this message is to sit in God's love each morning this week. And then take the chance to share what God is saying to you. What you sense, what's standing out, what you believe God is saying to you. Also ask a friend, what do you think God's saying to you? And listen together. Have an awesome week. I pray you would hear the voice of God who loves you deeply. Amen.